0: Welcome to Embedded Edge with Knitting, a podcast that brings to life the stories behind today's embedded systems, technologies, and products. It's the show where you'll hear from both engineers and executives on some of the most topical news and most pressing challenges in the world of embedded system design. Here's your host, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded.com, Nitin Dahad.
1: Welcome to this latest edition of Embedded Edge with Knitting. In this episode, you'll hear three interviews with people that I talked to at the Future of the Car conference in London in May 2023, and uh, we uh, talked about quite a few things. The three-day conference covered almost everything you might imagine when discussing the future of the car, from connected and software-defined vehicles to digital infotainment systems and their potential to add new experiences to consumers plus new business models enabled by connectivity. While the subject of autonomous vehicles wasn't centre stage, there was quite a lot of talk about it, especially when people like the Mobileye CEO took the stage. So uh, I took the opportunity to talk to a few people, and uh, it was quite interesting that um, Semiconductors takes uh, quite a big stage on on a Automotive Conference yeah. So alongside the CEOs of all the big automotive OEMs, we also had um, chip vendors. So uh, Shelley Van Dyke of NXP Semiconductors, um, uh, spoke in a fireside chat in the one of the op- opening day keynotes. And I, I, I took the opportunity to chat to her. So you'll hear from her in the first interview on uh, things like software-defined vehicles and why, dy- why anybody cares about dynamically con- configurable ECUs, that's um, electronic control units. And then I speak to Richard Felton from AWS, and he discusses how AWS is supporting the automotive industry and uh, virtualizing the software value chain and uh, talks about the uh, projects they've done with Continental, uh, with their uh, Continental Edge service, uh, BMW, uh, with, uh, and then the Smart Cockpit uh, with Stellantis. In my final interview, we change gears a little. Uh, we talk a little bit about... Um, the subject of EV technology or alternatives to internal combustion engine. And I spoke to Lynn Calder, CEO of INEOS Automotive, and she talks about why regulation is too focused on short-term objectives and big decisions being made uh, to push the industry only in one particular direction, such as EVs. Uh, She said regulation by governments are soundbites that uh, focus only on sort of Uh, EVs. She says, don't close all the options. So we look at some of the uh, things she has to say about uh, the EV um, alternatives. And uh, without further ado, let's turn to the first interview uh, with Shelley Van Dyke of NXP Semiconductors. Talking to Shelley Van Dyke, VP of Automotive Processing Strategy and XP Semiconductors at the FT Future of the Car Conference. Shelley, hello.
2: Hi, Ninton. How are you?
1: I am good. You gave a, uh, a fireside chat at the conference. What's your key takeaway?
2: Well, the, it's been really interesting to hear at the high level what their biggest issues are, right? And it's really the um, around bringing out the vehicles of the future, um, and defining you know what are the services they will deliver, uh, how will they connect to consumers? how will they electrify um, or become more sustainable, uh, attract that? And really then the challenges they have in software and you know finding the right like configuration and where to differentiate, right? So it's been very interesting to see that in these kind of elevator pitch kind of level, takeaways that they actually really do connect to the things that we're working on in nxp
1: and i think one of the things you mentioned was um, when you're talking to speakers uh, other speakers uh, a key thing was performance that you know, they're looking at now, optimizing performance now at uh, the nxp level you're, you're looking at obviously uh and how enabling those customers to optimize that performance and get you know, the compute so tell me a little bit about that
2: yeah, so I found it really interesting that, um, you know, they dovetailed right into what I think of as our strength, right, which is um, by performance they mean what is the underlying what makes a car a car, right, how the car moves, how it behaves, um, you know, the how it's going to take all the inputs and put that together in the infrastructure of the vehicle um, and how important that is. And that ties so directly into what we're doing in You know, our investment in five nanometer for integrated vehicle compute, which we'll uh, sample later this year and and uh, zonal controllers that we're bringing out and that new it really enabling that new vehicle architecture. And it takes that vehicle architecture to really realize that performance that they want. Right. That will make the car um, easier to build. Uh, easier to define design right and and they 'll have a better idea then of what they 're doing with that vehicle as well, um, so it 's been very interesting to hear that and connect with them on that
1: and one of the things we 've been writing about over the last eighteen months is around software defined vehicles that 's moving along quite nicely, I, I believe from my conversation with you
2: yes, I, I, I think it is Nitten. you know I, I think the tipping point will be kind of more toward the middle of this decade where you will see really true fully software-defined vehicles kind of rolling out. And the key point is going to be how do they connect to consumers and show them that, okay, now we have these dynamically reconfigurable um, ECUs that are going into the car, right? And these are enabled by NXP, providing virtualization, isolation, right, and being able to run application, multiple applications, and, and freeing up uh, compute and, and bringing together full solutions uh, that bring these to life what are they going to do with that capability right and how does that connect to uh, consumers if they do it right with where they establish you know that it's safe and they establish trust with the security I think that they really can unlock a huge, a huge uh, wealth of services that make all of our lives better. So I'm looking forward to it, but I can also see it is it is going to be a challenge and it's really going to need them to bring together more than their companies, right, at the OEMs and, and, and at the Tier 1s. It's really going to be about are they able to build an ecosystem and how do we participate in that ecosystem and help them.
1: I think one of the areas you'd like to highlight was um actually enabling something that might sound boring, but it's beyond the infotainment and buying more services, because customers don't just want to give up stuff. It's about things like uh, uh, the lighting. I think you talked about lighting. Tell me a little bit about that example with Iceland.
2: Yeah, thanks for asking that, uh, Nitten. So, indeed, you know, it, it is about, you know, why dynamically reconfigurable? Who cares, right? But you take a, a, something like lighting that you think of, okay, I have the in-cabin lights and I can turn them on with the push of a button, um, and then I have my, you know, front and rear lights, but with um, intelligent, smart, embedded LED or ISO LED that, Uh, OEMs are picking up and and we're working with them you can enable all kinds of lighting uh, situations right so uh, there's an emerging standard to have blue light indicate self driving mode which I think that's fair to indicate to other drivers that you're in self driving mode Um, you could you know project uh, your direction that you're turning in so rather than depend on somebody noticing your little blinker uh, and looking for that, right, if it's confusing, you could just have that project, right? Um, you could use it for frivolous things like it's your kid's birthday and you come out and the car plays a big birthday song and, and um, it, you know, has a light show going on. Or you could use it for situations like, you know, I'm a woman, I travel alone Uh, from time to time it'd be great if i could enable that hey as i walk up to a car at a certain distance it's going to light up for me um and you know and 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 make me feel safer right as i approach that so all of these things are and and more are really going to be possible um with that that kind of reconfigurability
1: and um when do you see that happening then (laughs)
2: Well, you know, so like I said, uh, some of the OEMs are are rolling out um, Isoled now, Um, so I I think that we'll see vehicles with this capability, you know, really they're coming out in the next couple years. Where you see that more integrated into a full kind of service model of what you can select, I I do think it's more middle of the decade where we see those fully software-defined vehicles coming out and being able to kind of reach into the full vehicle.
1: Well, Shelley, thank you very much.
2: Thanks, Nitin. Great to talk to you.
1: I'm talking to Richard Felton of AWS at uh, the FT Future of the Car Conference. Richard, hello.
3: Hello, Nitin. Uh, Thank you for coming to talk to me today. Very excited to talk to you.
1: What you're going to be talking about is around uh, enabling typical uh, automotive manufacturers to go to that software-defined vehicle route, Right. uh, So the
3: panel that I'll be talking about uh, is the value chain. So it's talking about uh, how do tech companies and OEMs partner together to create new value chains uh, for their customers. And uh, I'll be talking about how software is enabling uh, customers to... Tackled the difference between software development life cycles and the manufacturing cycles. So manufacturing cycles being very rigid and lengthy, and of course, customers' expectation for software development is far shorter than that.
1: So the the big thing that AWS is doing is figuring out how they can virtualize uh, a lot of this, and you've got examples of that. So is that right? Yes, that's right,
3: absolutely. So for a major tier one supplier, Continental, uh, AWS has developed uh, the Continental Edge. And the Continental Edge uh, platform is a modular environment where Continental's customers can develop their software entirely virtually in the cloud, test that software at scale in the cloud, and then deploy it uh, over the air updates uh, into vehicles and uh, and targets. So that takes Continental and their customers a very significant step towards software software-defined vehicles, it unlocks and breaks that link between software development and the availability of the hardware that it depends upon.
1: And then you also talked about the BMW and what
3: they're doing. So at BMW, BMW's problem uh, was that what they wanted to do was put data, data at the heart of everything that they do, all of their decision-making to do with product development, manufacturing and after sales to really improve the quality of the service that they they give to their customers. So we've created a cloud data hub with BMW, and the cloud data hub collects all of BMW's data right across the enterprise and enables users to get fine ingrained access to the data to help them answer questions to do with the product development and, and the usage uh, of the data. And BMW wanted a system where they take ownership of the data and exclusive control of that data that enables BMW to comply with the regulations that they operate in globally. And through AWS, we've, we've built that platform for them.
1: For our audience, let's drill down a little bit. Tell us a little bit about you know, what exactly uh, does a customer get to do with what you're providing?
3: Uh, so, with the, with the data hub, uh, that enables the customer in their product development lifecycle, they can answer questions about vehicle usage and they can uh, optimize the features that they deploy into the vehicle by understanding how their customers use the vehicles in the real world, not in a, in a testing environment. Uh, and with concepts like the virtual engineering workbench uh, that we're developing for customers like Stellantis, uh, the engineering workbench again allows Stellantis uh, to develop their software. In- in the cloud, uh, test the software and deploy it and reduce the time that it takes for their developers to onboard into their processes from from uh, weeks down into hours. Again with customers like Diantis, we've now trained more than 5000 of their uh, software development engineers in order to use the virtual engineering workbench.
1: And I think part of what you were talking to me earlier about was around providing that whole connected experience between car and home. Can you explain a little bit about that, please?
3: Well, Stantec's uh, smart cockpit that we're developing at pan Amazon. So, with our Amazon devices colleagues as well as AWS, uh, scientists have a vision of putting uh, the customer at the at the centre of their connected experiences. And scientists want to offer their customers features like uh, the Alexa digital assistant, uh, smart vehicle payment systems to make the journey uh, frictionless, and also to be able to monitor and control their smart homes from within the vehicle. So, whilst they're outside of their home, being able to take care of Of uh, deliveries and security.
1: And when is that coming?
3: Uh, Well, I'll, I'll wait for scientists to announce that.
1: And what that sort of brings into a question about security. There is obviously going to be a big issue with security if we don't do it right and architect it right. How are you helping the customers to architect that properly?
3: Well, we're very proud at AWS. Uh, The AWS platform is architected to be the most secure cloud platform available. Uh, We have 143 uh, certifications and standards uh, backed up by uh, more than 300 uh, security services and features. And we advise our customers uh, to ensure the privacy and security of, of their applications. Applications. And one example would be uh, the encryption of the data uh, at rest and, and also in transit, just at the very basic level. But we also help our customers understand through well-architected reviews. We understand holistically how to do uh, security governance, cloud governance, and how to implement that through training and enablements and how to develop the cloud-native skills that can increase their security posture right across all of their applications.
1: Richard, thank you very much. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you. I'm at the FT Future of the Car conference. I'm talking to Lynn Calder, CEO of Enios Automotive. Lynn, hello. Hi. Uh, You've just took, uh, taken over the helm at uh, Ineos Automotive in the last six months. Tell me a little bit about uh, you and why you came here. And, uh...
0: So, as you say, uh, Nitin and I just uh, joined uh, six months ago uh, into Ineos Automotive. It's been a really, really interesting six months for me because my background is not in automotive, actually. I spent 20-plus years in, in energy and in petrochemicals. So, uh, you know, this is all uh, pretty new to Ineos and I'm pretty new to, to me. I'm really excited to be here at the Future of the Car because we're tackling some really meaty topics that's that's hitting the industry right now.
1: Tell me a little bit about Inos Automotive. It's relatively new in the automotive sector. You have a very strong background in in petrochemicals. But uh, tell me a little bit more about the automotive business.
0: Yeah, so the automotive business was really spawned five and a half years ago when our owner, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, had a really great idea uh, in terms of seeing a gap in the market for probably one of the best off-road capable 4x4s, so very rugged, very durable, very off-road capable 4x4, and, and that's what we have sought to build over the last five years. And during that time, which has you know hit COVID, it's hit the Russia-Ukraine conflict, uh, some of the, the really harshest supply chain conditions of our living time. Have, have, have really kind of come to pass over the last few years um, and with all of that yet we have managed to kind of design, engineer, manufacture the Grenadier which is our 4x4 and we're currently taking that to market right now so customers are currently driving away in the Grenadier and we're really looking forward to kind of hearing what they think.
1: And that takes us to the crux of the panel uh, that you are on at the FT uh, Future of the Car Conference, which is around Beyond EV. These are ICE vehicles, and uh, the challenges everybody in the industry and uh, our readers have all been bombarded with EV as a solution. Now, that's not necessarily the case as far as this panel was concerned, but uh, tell me a little bit about why you think you need a mix of technologies and some of the challenges.
0: So, I mean, I think we do think that electric vehicles are part of the solution. And indeed, we've announced our own, uh, which will come in 2026, um, which will be a sort of smaller, slightly smaller, but still extremely world class off-road capable vehicle, which will be fully battery electric. Um, So we absolutely understand the need and are committed to the need to decarbonise and move to a, a lower carbon future when it comes to powertrain technology. Where I think the, the the challenge lies is in a lot of the regulation announcements, the big proclamations by governments, which I think are quite sort of simple sound bites that when elections, because they sound quite popular, don't take into account all of the various, um, the, the the upsides and the pitfalls of all the various technology options that are available to us today. And actually, even potentially some of the technology options that we haven't even thought of yet, because we're making decisions for five, 10, 15 years in the future. So I think what we We ask for as an industry is that we don't close off options and make big decisions around it. It has to be electric vehicle or you know the the end of the combustion engine, even when lots of pockets of the world are not ready to, to, to move to an alternative powertrain system. I think that it's incumbent upon us as an industry to make sure that we keep as many op- options open as, as possible and, and incentivize uh, distribution a- a- around that. So if you're if you're going to say electric vehicle is the way to go, then you need to invest in the infrastructure. If you're going to say hydrogen is 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 a, a powertrain uh, and fuel of the future, an energy of the future, which we strongly believe it that it is at Ineos, then you need to invest in the distribution networks. Um, and at the moment, government are effectively just saying, either we think electric vehicle is the way to go, let's plough on with just that, or they're saying we want the end of the combustion engine. And, And those are not really incentives, they're just bans...
1: Uh, And and that is interesting. So I think you envisage a future where lots of different technologies exist together based on what infrastructure is available or or being invested in. How do you see this playing out by the deadlines, you know, 2030, 2035? I know that uh, European initiatives now on uh, sort of e-fuels has has come through. Can you say anything about that?
0: I I think that the deadlines are extreme. I mean, in, in any world, any industry... Uh, 2030 is effectively tomorrow and I think the lack of clarity is posing a real difficulty not only to the the industry not only to OEMs but to consumers consumers are becoming insecure about what to buy, understandably, you know, because they don't know what infrastructure is going to be there. They don't know what the residual value of the car is going to be in five years' time once some of these regulations, uncertain regulations, take effect. So I think that, um, you know, what, what happened in the European Union with, with, with Germany kind of almost kind of keeping the door open a little bit on, on the fact that there could be a bit more of a mix and and not just one or two options is is helpful because i think that we really need to kind of yeah as you put very well you know a a range of um distribution a range of of means and technologies with which to 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 get from a to b based on where you live in the world is is probably going to be the way forward and we need governments to recognize that
1: you'll be at the goodwood festival of speed uh, which we've been covering for the last two years what are you going to be announcing there
0: So we've got a couple of uh, really exciting announcements there. We're going to be uh, launching a a new version of the Grenadier. So I I hope everyone comes along and takes a a look at that. But also quite importantly for today and pertinently for today, we're going to be launching a a fuel cell demonstrator. So this is a hydrogen fuel cell version of the Grenadier station wagon that we we have on the road today. And we're, we're really excited to show that the technology works and that it can be done. All we need now is some hydrogen infrastructure. And certainly in the UK at the moment, that's kind of going in the wrong direction. With, with some hydrogen refilling stations actually closing down rather than new ones opening up. So, yeah, we, we, we need some commitment uh, on policy. If, if hydrogen is going to be a, a means of travelling around the UK, then we need we, we need the government to get behind that.
1: Well, Lynn, thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Nitin. Very nice to meet you. That
1: brings us to the end of this edition of Embedded Edge with Nitin. That's all for now and see you next time.